Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. To the many that has heard that faithful praise from the President of the United States and a grateful nation as they hand over that flag. For the nearly 400 plus thousand that are buried at Arlington National Cemetery. For the many more that are buried around the world. Some that are buried at the floor of a sea and ocean in which they fought. Some in places that they never found their remains and missing in action. And still those who are deemed prisoners of war today uh, have been given a stamp of, of course, missing in action and dead. Today we remember those fallen soldiers for that one caption that I saw in that video so that we have the right to worship and to speak Jesus. If you go to opendoors.org, you realize that there are more countries in the world today that disallow the preaching of Jesus Christ in an open forum than the ones who do allow it. We say a lot of things about our country. We say a lot of things about our our politics and our faults, and, and there are many. But here's what I believe to be true. As I've traveled several places around the world, we still, I believe with all of my heart, still the greatest nation on planet Earth. Believe that. I believe that there's something still worth fighting for, for this great nation. I still believe that when that flag waves, it it should give me a sense of reverence. I should pause. I should think. I I should contemplate the things and the people who went before us to allow that freedom and that liberty, that when the Constitution was penned, that there are certain unalienable rights, meaning that they were not given by man, therefore they cannot be taken by man, that we have this right to to life and to pursue happiness and this freedom that we all have that God has given us, that every soldier, listen, no matter where he came from, no matter who he or she is, they've taken that oath to defend that Constitution constitutional right that gives us the freedom to worship and to speak of Jesus. There are 50 countries mentioned on the opendoorsusa.org that says that there are places where it is not only illegal but punishable by death. Say, Mark, why why do you tie the two together? Why do you tie together war and religion? I submit to you they cannot be separated. In fact, as you survey wars and genocides and conflicts around the globe today, both from historical beginning all the way into now, listen, they're all rooted in one thing, and that is the person of Christ. The argument of, is he God, is he not? Is this our land that he gave us? Is it not? Is it our land? Whatever the case may be, do we have this freedom to worship him, or do we have to abide to the the governmental tyranny? In fact, in 1775 at Lexington and Concord, the shot that was heard around the world began wars and conflicts as we know them, starting the War of Independence, 1775 to 1783. 
And I, and I just want to catalog a few of these because I, I remember as, as I'm reading this that there was also reformers and men and women who were fighting to allow us to have a copy of God's word, my copy of God's word, not what that guy says I ought to believe or what she says I ought to do or what some king or, or papal authority determines, but rather to have a personal relationship with Jesus in the way that I see it, to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling as the scriptures tell me. That when that shot was fired, the American Revolutionary War, the war on our independence, the war that staked the claim, the war that drew the line in the sand and says, I will no longer be ran by a governmental entity. I have the freedom and a few militiamen, a few doctors and lawyers and farmers and all walks of life stood up and said, I will take an oath. I will stand watch. And it started what is still perpetuated today as the U.S. soldier, the greatest fighting force the world has ever known. You say, Mark, why? Because they volunteered to be a part of this to willingly go to leave it all so i think on today as we celebrate memorial day i would be remiss if i didn't at least catalog and i think we have these to throw them up and i want you to look at these numbers the american revolutionary war from 1775 to 1783 we had 25,000 men and women lost their life in combat the War of 1812, from 1812 to 1815, there was 20,000 men and women who perished giving themselves over to our liberties and our freedom. The American Civil War, it was against slavery. It's where brothers were divided against brothers, fathers against sons from the North Territory colonists down to the South, and they were separated over 625,000 from 1861 to 1865. And my friend, y'all stare hold through me for just a moment. Let me say this to you. If we're not careful, that's where we're headed back to. We should learn from our past because it does in largely, in a large way dictate who we are, but we do not have to be prisoners of our past. Amen? World War I from 1914 to 1918, four short years, yet 116,516 soldiers perished. Reasons? Materialism, alliances, imperialism, and nationalism. Hadn't really, hadn't really heard of the, the word communism at this point, but there was this infiltration of nationalism for, for us to fall under this order, this right, if you will. In, in World War II, we see it solidify itself a little bit more with Italian fascism in 1920s, militarism and Japanese militarism, invasion, invasion of China. And then, of course, political takeover in 1933 when, when Hitler's Nazi party infiltrated all of Europe to stake a claim and to, to say we're not only going to stake a claim, but we're going to commit genocide and we're going to destroy an entire people, God's people. You know, if you ask a common young person today to speak on the idea of the Holocaust, many will not even remember what it is. Yet 405,399 from 1941 to 1945 died in World War II. Korean War from 1950 to 1953, 36,516. Why? Because we realize at that point, now we are a great nation. We are a world power. We've staked our claim as the one that, that gets to stand up for those who can't stand for themselves. 
And when North Korea, Korea crossed that 38th parallel, invaded South Korea and said, we're going to take you over. You will fall under the reign of this communist dictator. America said, no, we're not going to allow that. And we stepped in and we intervened. Started the Cold War, which did not end until 1989, 1990, when the Berlin Wall fell down, dissolving, of course, Soviet Union in 1991. The Vietnam, which I even tremble at even speaking to because it never was even deemed a, a war because Congress would not give the dictate to establish war. So it's called a conflict. Yet a conflict that lasted from 1955 until the last one came home in 1975. 58,209 soldiers. Why? Once again, because the North Vietnamese invaded South Vietnamese under the context and under the auspices of dictatorship, communism, this spreading around. And we said, no, that's not going to happen. But here's what's so bad about that is our boys that, that left 17 years of age, 18 years of age, mamas and daddies sent their boys away and fathers left and uncles left and they came back completely and forever transformed. For the first time you heard the phrase, some gave all. And all gave some. Because these boys were forever, ever altered. With Agent Orange and all of the things, the dreadful things that no one wants to talk about. History books don't want to print. And yet when they came home, when they should have had their parade, like they came home from Europe and Japan, when they came home from World War II, they didn't get it. Rather, they got spat in the face and called baby killers. Because of propaganda and because of news media outlets for the first time recording only partial truths in wartime. In Beirut, 1982, many of you lived during the 80s. We see Beirut in 1982 to 1984. Specifically, once again, to aid a stopping, a halt to the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization or order. In which case the Palestinians were trying to move into certain areas and take over to push out the civilian uh, Israelites to kill women and children. The PLO, that was their claim to fame. So in Beirut, the Marine Corps barracks, 263 soldiers were killed. In Grenada in 1983, 19 soldiers were killed. In Panama, which was just to, watch this, for the first time to exercise a police power and to go over and, and arrest this notorious drug dealer, this, this crime lord, Manuel Noriega. But in which case, 82nd Airborne and a lot of Rangers and a lot of different people that went into there, 40 soldiers were killed. Then in my lifetime, from that point forward, from Vietnam up until 1990, we get the call in 1990 that we're going to fight this man that no one had ever heard of in our culture, Saddam Hussein, who was killing his own people, testing out his own warfare against his own people, spreading mustard gas and watching people die in the streets. So 1990, Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, 258 soldiers were killed. Again, in Somalia, 1992 to 1995, Maybe you saw the movie Black Hawk Down, the Battle of Mogadishu. Several of my friends and people that I've met served at that particular conflict. Many would say, we never should have been there, yet once again, a crime lord. We had to put a stop to it. Yet today, it's one of the most dangerous places on planet Earth. They hate and detest Americans, even to this day. 43 men were killed, given their life to help 
people that couldn't help themselves. Bosnia. Many of you not even heard of Bosnia. Sarajevo. Twelve soldiers killed to stop a genocide against the Serbs. And then, of course, what we talk about all the time, what's in the media, the global war on terror from 2001 to present, which includes Afghanistan, Operation Enduring Freedom, and Operation Iraqi Freedom. 4,489 soldiers have been killed, and we're still logging in deaths today. Total deaths with both Afghanistan and Iraq, 6,852. Now, I know, I get it, and, and, and listen, I, I believe with all of my heart that we've seen this. We, we see it during this time of the year. We see it at July the 4th. We see it on Veterans Day where we celebrate our veterans, and we should. But on Memorial Day, we should remember this number, 1,354,664. Look at the number for just a moment because these are real people. They really had a life. They really had a purpose. They really had a calling. They really had... A life, but yet they gave it up for your freedom and for my freedom. As we keep that number up, I wonder, with everything that's in you, would you be willing to stand and just give those guys a round of applause that they're each due and their families? Come on, guys. Y'all give them a big round of applause. Amen. And while you're standing... That's why people get serious. That's why people get disgruntled when the flag waves and you see somebody take a knee. You know what? Even they have the right to take a knee because they gave their life. Or if some little kid decides not to put his hand around his, on his heart and just text during the national anthem. Yeah, you, your generation, we stand there, we lock up, we put our hands, we take our hat off because we know that it each is attached to a person, a human life who said, I will stand watch, I will give my life, even if it means dying for those who hate the flag and her cause, I will do it. Let me sign up. My friend, never, ever. Ever forget those men and women who stood watch. Never forget those who are standing watch today. Because I'm going to tell you something. The moment we begin to take that lightly is the moment that we drop our guard and they walk away and then we're overthrown. We're attacked. I believe with all of my heart that we should talk about this almost every day of our life. 1,354,664. If you would, I'm going to ask you to be seated, but if you have served in our military in any capacity, I want you to remain standing. We want to honor you at this moment in time. Y'all give them a big hand. Come on, church. Come on, church. Yeah. If you're watching on Facebook, man, throw us up a flag if you ever served in the military, and we honor you as well. You may be seated. I think I would be remiss if I didn't do that, but that's not what my my quick point that I got to speak fast and y'all got to listen fast. So look to your neighbor, say, you need to be awake. So typically if I'm bothering you up here when I'm talking and you're trying to take a nap today, you need to be awake. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask no and the guys to come back out because I want to give you this and I don't want any interruptions. I want to give you this because this is super important. Memorial day is about remembering, but I jotted this down. It's about remembering the essential part of our life, learning from history so that we what? Say it with me. So we do not what? Repeat it. 
We don't remember. We're going we're gonna to repeat it. And I, I jog this down. Remembering also keeps us, watch this, in proper perspective. It reminds me of where I've been. It reminds me of my heritage. It reminds me of where I am today. And watch this. It reminds me of where I'm going. You, you cannot do any of those three things if you do not look back at your past. And I'm going to say this respectfully, but I'm going to say it without apology. So make sure if I'm quoted on this that I'm quoted under the right framework. If you're out there today and you're trying to change our history, you cannot change history. History is history. But I do believe that we can look at history and say, you know what, that is detestable that that happened. That is detestable that he or she did that. Let's learn from it and watch this. Let's be better than our history. But you can't change it. You can't rewrite it. You can't tear it down. It exists, and it is who we are today. Rick Warren said it this way, we are the products of our past, but we do not have to be prisoners of it. Listen, maybe, maybe way back there, my ancestors did some things that are detestable. But that's not who I am. Maybe, maybe we failed miserably in some cases there, but I'm going to tell you something. Some of those generations before us, they got it right. In fact, I just want to tell you this real quick. This is, if I had to call this message anything, these three points real quick. <laughs> three points. These three. We're going to do four points. That, no, I'm kidding. Three points. I would like to call this message. There are just some things that we should remember. Number one, and I hope you're taking notes in your heart today. We need to always remember the people who have gone before us. We need to remember those men and women who picked up the mantle, who picked up the weapon and said, I'll go. Hebrews 13 and 7 says it this way. Remember those who led you. Everybody say led. Remember those who spoke the word to you. Everybody say spoke. And consider the result of their conduct. Everybody say conduct. You see, the reality is as we look back and consider those who have led the way, those who have forged new grounds, those who have pioneered new territory. And some of you are in this room. You've led the way. You've spoken the word of God either to us or over our life. How many of you believe you're sitting here today because somewhere along the way, a grandmother or a mother or a daddy or somebody spoke the word of God over your crib and over your empty room when you were out running, acting like crazy in the world? Thank God for the people who've gone before us because there are some things we just need to remember. Remember those who have gone before us, who've touched our life and made us better. I've said this before. No one remembers who won the Nobel Peace Prize last year. Nobody. Nobody remembers who won the Pulitzer Prize. Nobody remembers who won Best Actress in the Academy Award or Best Song. Some of us don't even remember or care about who won the Heisman Trophy. But I'm going to tell you something. Every one of you can raise your hand and say, I remember my first grade teacher. Can you wave your hand at me if you remember your first grade teacher? How many of you remember your Sunday school teacher? How many of you remember the person who shared Jesus with you for the first time? Wave your hand. How many of you remember a police officer back in the day when he, when you saw him, you had that trembling fear of awe and reverence and you walked up to him and he gave you a piece of candy or he turned his life. How many of you remember that guy? See, we remember those things that impact us the greatest. I remember my dad, my dad, my father. He didn't get it all right. 
I mean, if I could be real bold, there's a lot of things he messed up. But he taught me how to work. He taught me how to keep driving on. He taught me how to say I'm sorry when he messed up. He taught me how to forgive. And I'm going to tell you something today. I'm thankful that I have my father with me. Threw the ball to me. Taught me how to hit. Taught me how to catch. Well, some of I'm thankful for preachers like Charles Chapman who called me into the gospel ministry. At least made me acknowledge the calling on my life. And he was stern on me and he was hard on me. He reminded me that ministry is about people and it's not about what happens on Sunday. It's about what happens on Monday through Saturday. And that people matter. And that the moment you stop caring about people is the moment you need to shut it down and go home. Charles Chapman expected me to be those things for people. And I used to, I used to, to push back from that and thinking, I can't do. Listen, if you're called into the gospel ministry, you don't get to set your clock. I think like when people call your home at 3 a.m., you get to keep going. And when you're tired, you keep going. He has equipped you, and it's about people. L. Moody. I'm thankful for D.L. Moody. He preached every single day in a year, sometimes twice a day. And he died as a young man because he exhausted himself. I told you before, when I stand before my God, I want to be depleted. I want to be exhausted. I want to be done. I don't want to stand before him and go, hey, I'm here. I got a lot left. I got money in the account. I want to go before him and go, I am done. I've given all I can give. I don't want to hold a reserve. I want to know that when I hear those words, well done, that I could truly say, I did the best I could do. I'm thankful for Billy Sunday, who led a guy to the Lord, who led a guy to the Lord, who preached a conference and led Billy Graham to the Lord. I'm thankful for Billy Graham because of his efforts and because he took time away from his family. Perhaps millions and millions and millions of people no, Jesus, I'm thankful for Charles Hatting Spurgeon. One of the greatest preachers ever to walk the face of the earth, maybe outside of the Apostle Paul. So eloquent. So graceful. I'm thankful of great apologists like Ravi Zacharias, who speaks so high, I cannot understand a word he's saying. Thankful for a man who could be a defender of the faith. I'm thankful for the disciples because every one of those men with exception of the apostle John died a martyr's death so that I may have a copy of God's word in my hand. I'm thankful for a man named Polycarp who around 155 to 167 he was a disciple of the apostle John. In, in John's old age, in the doxology of his life, he explained to him, he taught him, and Polycarp took the words of those 27 writers and put them together. And so we have the New Testament today. Yet he was burned at a stake for his faithfulness. I'm thankful for John Wycliffe. Because in the 14th century, he began to translate the New Testament out of the Latin Vulgate. He began to put it in people's hands in a different language. And he was martyred. I'm thankful for William Tyndale in the 16th century who decided to truly bring it into the English language. Had it not been for him, King James never could have done that in 1611. And yet he was martyred and buried, and then they exhumed his body and burned it along with his writings. They hated him. 
I'm thankful for men like Nick Saint and Jim Elliott, who in 1956 went to Ecuadorian tribe, the Wanani people. (laughs) And they had a conversation. And the conversation said, every person that these people, this tribe has ever encountered has killed them with a spear. And though we have a pistol in the glove compartment of our airplane, we are not going to shoot it because we know if we die, we know where we're going. But they will die and they will go to hell. And all five of them were killed at the end of a spear. Yet some of the writings of Jim Elliott. Jim says these words, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, what makes me want to remember people who have gone before me is they're willing to die for their cause. And out here today, God's not asking you to die for your faith. He says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I just want to be real bold right now, and I don't mean this to sound disrespectful, but don't tell me you would die for your faith if you're not willing to live for it. Mark, what might they say if I share Jesus? Who cares? How might people look at me if I preach the gospel? So what? What might they do if I accept a call to preach and I resign after almost 15 years in the military and walk away? I don't care because I know in whom I've been called and I know what I'm called to do. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as I do that, remembering those people that have gone before us, How will people remember you? Listen, that can't be rhetorical. You you can't just take that and go, man, that's a good point. No, no, no. I want you to answer it. How will you be remembered when you're gone? Will people say about you? I'm so thankful she went before me. I'm so thankful he paved the way. Or will they say, Who's that? Secondly, very quickly, I'm thankful about the purpose. Not only the people, but the purpose that's before me. (laughs) Our calls around here at Northridge Church, it's not ours. We didn't create it. Our calls is Jesus' calls. What's your mission statement, Mark? I just want to honor Jesus. I want to... Love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I want to love God's people. Why do I tell you that? Because I shared with you a moment ago when we talk about purposes. Most wars and battles have been fought today because of a supreme person, a supreme dictator, supreme government who wanted to diminish that which was less. Oftentimes for the cause of religion. So, so why do we care? Why do we care that there are 153 million orphans in the world today? Why, why does that bother you? Why should it? Why do we care that, that what's going on in the political sphere is really more than pro-choice and pro-life? It's infant side. Why, why do we care? Let's just split political hairs and pick a side, right? No, no, no. Proverbs 31 and 8 says to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves and ensure justice of those being crushed. You have to care. You, you, you can't be neutral in those areas. You've got to take a stand. 
You got to have a purpose, man, and you got to be willing to live for that purpose to make Jesus known. And then lastly, not only do we need to remember the people that are gone before us, but we need to remember the purpose. And here's the one I love the most, Noah. We need to remember the prize that lies ahead of us. Everybody wants to win. There's not a sporting team out there that doesn't want to win. There's not a political figure out there that doesn't want to win. There's not a relationship that exists that doesn't want to count it up as a win. There's not a church that doesn't want to win. But the prize is not rooted in my win. The prize is rooting in my calling from the Most High God. Philippians 3 and 13, 12 through 14. Paul said this, and I love this. Not that I have already attained. Not that I have already arrived. The Apostle Paul saying this, y'all. Saul of Tarsus, a murderer of Christians, a pursuer of all those things which were godly. Yet on the road to Damascus, had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It so overwhelmed him that he became a pastor, a missionary, a a church planner, an evangelist, writer of nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. Yet he says, not that I have arrived where I'm already perfected. Watch this. Y'all look at that. Say it with me. But I what? But I press on. Let's say it again. But I press on. That I may lay hold. That I may grab on to that for which is in Christ Jesus that has already laid hold of me. And then here it is. Brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Watch this. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Here it is again. And I press on towards the goal for the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. The prize is just the fact that I get to be a part of his story. The prize is not your platform. The prize is not the size of your church. The prize is not the book you wrote or the song you sing or the sermon that you preach. The prize is the fact that I get to stand up here and do it at all. And so do you. I believe there's just some things we need to remember. God, help us to remember the people that have forged the way so that I can stand here freely today. God, help me to remember the purpose that does not change with every tide of wind and and shifting of culture, but the one that's firm, the one that cannot change because it's rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And God, thank you for opening my eyes and reminding me to always remember the prize of the high calling which is in you. I wonder, would you bow your heads with me all over this room? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're watching today by live stream, I ask that you bow your heads right where you sit. Tell your children, bow your head right there. Search your heart. Because if any of these things exist outside of the person of Jesus Christ, it has no hope. It cannot persevere. It cannot last. But if any of that exists in him, it will never end. It cannot die. How many of you could say watching today by Facebook or in this room, say, Mark, I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of the King. I have heaven for a home. I know that I'm saved. Lift your hand up right now. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Some some hands could not go up. Man, bless your heart. Thank you for being here today. You can put your hands down. But what if, what if today God sent me here to remind somebody 
that there's maybe one other thing that we need to lay hold of and not forget, but there's one thing worth remembering, and that's the cross. That the greatest memorial ever written in history is the day that Jesus Christ hung on that rugged cross and he said these words, it is you got to receive it. And I acknowledge that. And I want to, if I could say it this way, side of your heart and be counted. You got to join the anthem. You got to join the ranks of all the redeemed. Would you pray with me? If you're not sure of your salvation, man, God wants me to tell you today that today's your day. This is your moment. Don't worry about the person next to you, in front of you, behind you. You may provoke them to do the same. But if you'd like to know Jesus and the free pardon of sin and the hope of eternal life with him, I wonder, would you pray with me right now from your heart to God? Just pray with, from your heart to God. You can pray it silently or out loud. Just pray this. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. And I want to ask you, Jesus, to save me. Be the Lord of my life and help me to live for you until the day you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today in faith, the Bible says you've been born again. You've been bought with a price. You're redeemed. You're born again. You're saved. I wonder, would you be so bold right now? Just very softly, very quietly, but very deliberately, just lift your hand and say, Mark, I prayed and invited Jesus into my heart. Looking around. Come Anyone else? I see you. Anyone else? I invited Jesus in my heart. God bless you, sir, and you, ma'am. How about the rest of you? Mark, I'm, I want you to pray for me. I got some things going on in my life, some things that seem bigger than me. Just lift your hand and say, Mark, that's me. Pray for me. So on the count of three, here's what I'm going to have you do. I want to have you stand to your feet when I hit the number three. And when I do, I'm going to stand down front. If God has spoken to you any kind of way, I'd love for you to just come shake my hand trying to walk away. If you got a burden on your heart, we got some folks who want to pray with you. Don't stay there and sit there and remain the same. Come down and lay that burden at the feet of Jesus. If you gave your life to the Lord today, come down and let us know. The doors of our church stand open. You ready, one? Hi, this is Pastor Mark, and I want to personally thank you for joining us today in this Northridge podcast. Pray that you've been greatly blessed. And if you've made a decision to follow Christ, please connect with us that we may answer any questions and rejoice with you in this greatest decision. Also, if you're ever in our area, we'd love for you to come to one of our services at 11 a.m. at the Ridge that we can meet you personally and continue to rejoice with you in the decisions that you've made. God bless, and we hope that you'll tune in next time for our Northridge Church podcast.